0: Hey guys. We have such a super great guest today. hope you all tune in. Alan Hooper, casting associate on Modern Family for the run of the series from pilot to the finale. Casting director credits include the indie films Topa Soundwave, plus Science Fest, the Los Angeles Science Fiction One Act Play Festival, which Alan casts for all three seasons. Alan is the recipient of four RDS nominations, and in 2015, he received the Casting Society of America's Associate Spotlight Award, in Los Angeles. He is here for you guys, and he is going to imbue so much knowledge about casting, how things have changed since COVID, how uh, self-tapes are number one importance, the little things to do in your self-tapes, whatever. Take a listen. Here we go. Alan Hooper, welcome aboard. Oh my goodness. Alan Hooper, I'm so happy you are a guest today. It's been like a year, so we haven't talked. We talked a year ago, which, you know, COVID. Times have changed. Casting has changed. Life has changed. I want to address that. I want to feel how it feels for you as a casting director to talk about the change of things and how it feels not to, I don't know if you're in the office, like bringing actors in yet, but I don't, mm, don't think so. And do you see that that's going to change at all? Or is it going to be this way for a long time? Talk to us, Alan Hooper. So good to see you. And I'm loving your long hair.
1: Uh, I would, a guess, because, you know, who knows, and everybody has their own things they want to do in different offices, mm-hmm. I imagine there's some that would want to go back in person, but if they have their own office, then that's their prerogative, but if they have a office provided by the studio, you know, the studios might want everybody to stay at home just out of an abundance of caution, also They probably have seen how much money they have saved over the last year and a half by not providing office space to casting offices. Uh, I know myself personally, I'm not sitting on the 405 for an hour twice a day. So it's been a good time savings for me to where even though pilot season was crazy like it always is and there's a lot of work to be done, I still could take five minutes, go say hi to my wife downstairs and then go back to work and I didn't feel completely isolated from her like I would have if I was in an office.
0: That's so fascinating. So, so it's had the reverse effect on you. So you're not isolated, you actually feel better.
1: Well, yeah, I'm isolated, I guess you could say, from the actors, because we're doing all self-tapes for the most part. Our pilot, uh, this time around, everything was self-tapes except for one chemistry read we did at the end. But even the tapes we sent to the studio uh, for the test, were self tapes. Where two years ago, not this uh, last year, we did all of the uh, tapes go into the studio. We did like Zoom sessions and worked with the actors. But everybody's gotten so good at self taping that we didn't feel the need to do that this time around.
2: Oh,
0: so you actually just had people audition and then you would look through the tapes and maybe have a callback session and then no callback, just not a, really it, even a
1: callback session, no.
0: So what is it, Alan? So people have gotten so good at self-tapes that you then you just went straight to the test deal. And what happens on, I want to back up though first, how, what makes that great tape? But when you're, so you didn't feel like you had to get on and give adjustments, you just went to the chemistry read. And I sort of want the audience to hear about what a chemistry read looks like, even the, you know, even for a guest star, not necessarily chemistry read, what it looks like on a Zoom session, what it feels Uh like.
1: On a Zoom session, normally we just have the actors next to each other and everybody else turns their video off so we can record just the two actors. And, you know, obviously they'll turn the video on and come in and give notes and thoughts, you know, between each take, but it's just the two actors. And the fun part is trying to explain to them which side the other actor is on. (laughs) So it looks good. So they're not both, you know, looking opposite directions. They're both somehow looking towards the middle that's the only thing that's a little tricky with it, but it's easy enough to give somebody that note of look to the left and that's where the other actor is.
0: So if an actor comes on for a callback or a chemistry test session, it's maybe it's one actor, maybe it's just, you know, if it's just a callback and it's just them, or if it's a chemistry test and it's two people. So what happens? So they get led into the Zoom room. Is everybody on camera or is it just them at all times and they're just meeting voices? How does that work for the people that are listening?
1: the way we did it was everybody was on camera. And so everybody said, hi, you know, it was just like a live read except Mm. we were on Zoom. And so everybody said, hi. And then when it came time to do the actual read, everybody turned their cameras off, which I think makes it maybe a little easier for the actors because you're not, well, it's a double-edged sword. You're not seeing the people that are judging you, so you don't have to worry about being judged in the moment, but you're also, with the comedy, you're not getting that audience feedback. Yeah. So, you know, you get rid of one negative, but you lose a positive.
0: Do you feel, as a casting director, that actors have, it's a more calming situation for actors, or do, are you getting the feedback from actors that they feel isolated, that they're not getting your uh, response and 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 feedback in the room when they used to come in, so they get a better sense of that you know human connection. What's yep. your thought
1: on that? A uh, couple of thoughts. One, I had an actor tell me that what unnerved him the most when he started doing the live Zoom reads was that he was now having audition nerves in his home where he should <laughs> oh, feel safe. Oh God! So there was That's that. Awful. That's and awful. A, the other thing that seems to be the overriding comment I hear from actors is they, when they were doing it live, they know they got some kind of feedback. They could get a vibe as to what people thought of them. And so, you know, back in the day, they could walk to their car, just knowing to the pit of their soul that we hated them. Yeah. And now because of self-tapes, they just don't get that affirmation that we hate them. <laughs>
0: or know? love them. Come on, let's go with the positive or I, love
1: them. I don't, I don't know that I've ever met an actor that went with the positive.
0: I know, but I really help people instill that quality because, you know, in your mind, you could actually, an actor can leave thinking you hated them when indeed you love them. So that's just a mental mindset. Exactly. And and truly, if you love yourself, then you don't go to that. You don't go to that. It's so easy to adjust that mindset. That's just my philosophy. And it's really healthier for actors to think that. In the first
1: place. Yeah. And I was making a joke. I was going with the stereotype. I, I know. I'm sure there's, there's a few actors that maybe thought we liked them.
0: <laughs> Ooh, giant comedy. I love it. Yeah.
1: I, I always tell the actors, I go, unless you're delusional, you will always think it's going worse than we think it's going.
2: A hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Because they always know what they were trying to hit, the moments they were trying to create. And when they miss them, they're making the little mental note of, oh, I need to do that better. I need to do that better. If I get a second shot, uh, and then they might hold on to that in a negative way if they're not careful, and thinking we noticed what they didn't do. Maybe we yeah. didn't. Maybe they fooled us.
0: And most of the time, the reality is they do because you don't know. You don't know. I think if actors stay calm and focused and do the material as written, then it's all good. So I know your office is, you know, a stickler for having all the words. Yes. Precisely. Let's just address that situation. All casting offices are different. I'm a big believer that you honor the writer's words. You don't add words. You don't change words, especially mm-hmm. for comedy. Let's address that for your, your office. Yes?
1: Yeah, we we take it to the level of Shakespeare. Yes. You don't add anything to Shakespeare. I take it a little further as well. I think if your punctuation perfect as well, it will help you out. Mm. Um, I've noticed actors when they'll like mush a couple of sentences together. Uh, The one I noticed recently was sometimes there'll be a period and then the next word starts with the conjunction, like and, or, but, and it just instinctually out of human nature makes the actors make it a compound sentence when the writer did not intend it to be a compound sentence. There's something going on after the period before you continue on with that conjunction. And so, go ahead.
0: It's so uh, interesting you say that because and especially in comedy, and I teach comedy to follow that punctuation, because the punctuation in the script is actually telling you exactly how to deliver
2: those lines.
1: Yeah, it, it's a big clue as to where the turns can be and where the moments are. So I always go, if you can do that, You know, I always think making up the words makes it harder. Agreed. You know, I like being told... I, I always said when I was a high schooler, I was an awkward teenager and I wish somebody had given me a script that I could have gone around high school with to just you know, say what was right <laughs> as opposed to trying to figure it out for myself. It was not easy.
0: That's so funny. And that's really, really true because if actors just fill in the blanks with their own personality, their own isms, and they follow that punctuation, they're going to do a great job. So, But the point being is that your office, punk, the punctuation, but the word for word is so important. I want to ask you this. So actors are always talking about the ending, you know, the button. And actors have come in in and added dialogue and I'm like, stop, you're not the writer. Do a sound or a behavior, end it, but don't add any dialogue. Do you agree?
1: I agree 100%. I actually pronounce it, but on, because I think you might make an ass of yourself when you do it. Ah! One of my little funnies. But it's, I also go, they do that little button at the end thinking it shows how special they are or whatever magic they want to try and create why aren't you doing it at the the beginning of the scene Mm -hmm. when you still have our attention you know why is there no front on
0: Mm. well there should be there should be a little moment before there really should be
1: but i mean all these actors that think it's okay to add dialogue at the end of the scene why don't they think it's okay to add dialogue at the beginning of the scene Mm. wouldn't that make more sense it just but no we when we put out our self-tape instructions, the very first, I was pulling this up as I was talking to you, it's on them on my computer. It says, quote, say the words as written, and words as written is in all caps, mm. no improvising, no ad libs at the end of the scene.
0: Oh, and so, but people can't, you, I think actors don't understand, but you don't have to add words to have a, to have a, to close it with a funny moment, because physical and a thought is even funnier than adding words that might not be funny.
1: Well, exactly. You should still be in the scene and there might be a reaction or something reaction. At the end that keeps it going. The other thing is when we cut the sides, we're trying to make it a scene. Mm. And so we've given it the end we think it should have. Mm-hmm. And so when the actor adds the button, not only are they telling the writers they know a way to do the script better, they're telling casting, oh, let me show you how you should have cut the sides.
0: Fascinating. That is awesome. That is great. I hope everyone just heard that really, really clearly. Um, So, you know, people have been, you know, doing self-tapes now for a couple of years and, and, and it has been going on way before, but now this is just the thing, right? Yeah. So there's this conversation that's out there, no props, have props, do it. I know I'm a big believer of my way of really filling the environmental life, behavioral life, but for your office, what, how do you feel about
1: that? I think on uh, self-tapes and even uh, to an extent with the live Zoom, you can get away with props that you would not have brought into the real office. Yes. And there's one of the suggestions I'll give actors nowadays is if you've got a multi-person scene, or even if it's a single person scene, you could do this, but print little thumbnail headshots of each of the actors that are in the scene with you and put them up over here. I'll never see it, mm-hmm. but it's something that might let you be more in the moment. And I think that's all well and good. I don't think you have to do it, but if it helps you bring it to life, of course do it. But at the end of the day, this is still what I'm looking at.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm looking at what the, what's going on here. The rest of it is just stuff, I think, to help the actor. I saw there's a Captain Crunch commercial. There's a uh, uh, actor did a Captain Crunch commercial, and they see his self-tape, which somebody posted. And with the self-tape, he's in the kitchen with the bowl, with the cereal. They're supposed to be on a boat in the commercial. He's got a pool in his backyard. He cuts to the pool, and they're all diving in the pool. <laughs> Extremely elaborate setup for all this. And actors that don't have a pool were thinking, oh, it's not fair. It's <laughs> not fair. And I was saying to them, if you look at the commercial and you look at the guy's self-tape, this, he was in performance mode when he was doing the self-tape mm. because they are basically the same and you just blue screen out what's going on around him and put in the other stuff. And that to me is still what's most important, but actors get sometimes uh, trapped or they they over overthink things and they think all these other trappings help them. Mm. They don't. You can have all these great setups, these great props, you know, maybe put a nice backdrop. If the acting stinks, I don't care what your backdrop looks like.
0: Exactly. I think though, though, I think that's why people say it's been like, don't move around, don't do prompts, because I think the, those that's based on people that are doing it for no reason or cluttering it up for no reason. If mm. it's simple, if it's just the essence that it helps feed you, and you have you're drinking a drink in the scene for a second, and you're just making a toast, and you have that in your hand, I think
1: that's really helpful. Yeah, we we did a pilot once, and this is. Like 99 out of 100 of them did it right, and one person thought she was doing it right, but it was slightly wrong, and I'll explain that. Oh. The, the scene started with the character cracking a beer. Mhm. So it, people might have just a soda can and they'd crack it open, or they'd have a bottle like that and let that be the beer. You know, just something to have in their hand to make it a little more real.
2: Right. And then this
1: one lady, uh, one actress, sent in herself tape, and she had a glass in her hand. And as I'm watching it, I like focused in on the glass, and I'm like. Oh my God, that is a 1983 Burger King Return of the Jedi, saw light pit glass. That is a collector's (laughs) item. What are you doing? That belongs in a museum. Oh my God. (laughs) So you you got to be careful. You never know what little thing you think is cool that could cause somebody to just lose focus completely, like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But But the essence if it's it's a drink, you know, have a drink and use it as a prop. We it's just normal, natural.
0: And I think it's so lucky for actors to have that. I think self-tapes are a beautiful, lucky thing that you don't have to stress in your car and sit in that waiting room and can sponge off people's energy. And then even, you know, going in the room and if you guys are having a bad day, you know, your energy is going to be different. Now you get to just do it. You just get to have the freedom to do it over and over until you get it right. And then to have that experience of working in your Zoom and being, you know, having that muscle work. So it's just really comfortable.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, there are negatives. And I have to admit, until I was forced to do it, I probably would have continued to poo-poo self-tapes and say live reads were the only way to do it. But now that I've done it, I I see what the negatives are, but the positives, I think, outweigh them enough to keep doing it this way.
0: I think a thousand percent. Plus, I feel like, and maybe you can address this. Here's my question. A lot of times I'm coaching actors and they get the audition, you know, a day ahead of time, but it's like 15 pages now. I always, I wanna like pick up the phone and say, why? Just do one scene, let them really work on one scene. And if it's good for the callback, send more. Do you send out that many amount of pages? And is it told by the producers that they wanna see everything? Why, why so many pages, Alan? Alan, tell us.
1: On a pilot, yes, we would probably send out multiple scenes. Mm -hmm. but we would also do best efforts to give you two or three days with it.
2: Mm.
1: You know, as we get further into the process and things get a little crunched, we might not have the luxury of giving you that time. Mm -hmm. But there's, with the pilots, there's usually something in each scene that they want to see the actor bring to the character that's, you know, they can't put all those emotions in one scene. With uh, a series, occasionally you'll have a bigger role But with the bigger roles, we were still maybe sending two scenes at the most.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It
1: might be a number of pages, but the other flip side of it is, if you're working on a sitcom and you go to the table read, they might rewrite the script extensively and you get the pages at midnight that night and you start rehearsal the next day at 8 Mm a.m. So those that can do 15 pages in a day are at a certain higher bar, and will surpass those that can't but you're right it's it sometimes seems burdens burdensome and uh too much and i if i see a specific example i can go Oh, i don't know why they were doing that but typically they they should have a a reason for doing it and they because producers want to get it done as quickly as possible so they're not really asking for more than they think they need
0: yeah i just find it interesting because i feel like sometimes and that's not to say you do that, but it's just sometimes actors feel you know, really rushed and can't do the best work. They can only do the adequate work because there's so much material. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. I was actually gonna look and see how many pages we had Pilot. I don't
0: think, I have to say, I don't think it's based on your office, on the amount of people that I coach for things from your studio. It's not. It's more on, it, I've had other experiences, but I wanted to address it because maybe, you know, it's, it, and your answer basically is, is that there's different essence of, 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 you know, the quality of the character that you want to see and to yeah. see if that person has those, you know, the depth or the, or, or the emotional. Well,
1: I would like to have concrete examples. I looked at the four roles we were casting on our pilot, Hungry, and it was just four roles because we were recasting from having cast it last summer. Uh, Three of them had four pages. One of them had six pages.
0: Yeah, that's not a lot. And plus, can I side note? I loved all the writing for that show so much. I thought it was hilarious.
1: Well, hopefully. Well, I I don't think it's going anywhere else after NBC passed on it, but it would be nice if it got a second life somewhere.
0: It's great. All my favorite pilots I work on. I love the writing so much. I don't know why it never goes. I don't know if it's I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens in the process. I thought it was really, really funny. I thought it was a great concept. That's
1: just Suzanne, who is the writer, she's really talented and uh, we had a great time working with her again.
0: So what is it, Alan? What is it that grabs your attention when you when you're looking at these tapes? Can you focus in on one or two elements? Is it the person's just natural energy? Is it the way they turn in? Is it the opening moment? Is it their connection? Is it just different for everybody? But what is it that makes you want to see that person again?
1: It really is different for everybody. Yeah, It clicks or it doesn't click. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't click because they're not right for the role. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, if it's a simple one, like we had a, A security guard on Call Me Cat that had to escort Cheyenne Jackson out. And Mm -hmm. Cheyenne's a tall guy. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for somebody tall Mm -hmm. that you believe they dragged him out of there. Right. And so it's a physicality to it. But then when they speak, it's got to have a weight to it that you realize you don't want to mess with them. They're taking Mm -hmm. you out. Uh, But it's still, with that one, it had to have a politeness to it because they were security guard for Robin Thicke. And, you know, even if there was a crazy fan, he would, you know, handle them with kid gloves and be polite to them. So it, it has all of that in it. And then you just see the actor say, sir, you got to go. And it all somehow comes out in those few words.
2: Well,
0: because you have to have a full life of that character, one line or 50 lines.
1: Yeah. With the, the bigger yeah. roles, it, it really is just how the actor has intuited what the writer's intent is
2: mm.
1: and how they've made it their own and brought it to life. Mm. and just filled it and just seemed right for it. It was another role on Call Me Cat we had where we needed kind of an older newscaster.
2: Mm.
1: So they all had to have the newscaster vibe, mm. but they also had to have a genuineness to them, even if he seemed insincere as a talking hit on TV. Mm. Mm. That's tricky.
0: Yeah, it is tricky because you want to be real. You yeah. don't want to act like a caricature of what that would be. Yeah.
1: yeah. the difference between being a ham and being a hammy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. True. Let me ask you this. It just came into my mind. Do you like when actors send in two takes, three takes, what's your, <laughs> what's your take on that? Do you want just one take and just like just one take or.
1: Um, I want just one take, but we, if they feel the need to send more than one take, we will typically watch them depending on the size of the scene,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we had, we had one actor I think send in five takes, and they all looked exactly the same, and we couldn't figure out why they were sending in five takes.
2: Well, that I, is a problem.
0: That's a little bit of a problem. I think two yeah. takes extremely different.
1: Well, I also go with, you know, and and this is just a generality. Every specific situation can be different.
2: Mm-hmm. But I always said,
1: you want to spend fifty percent of your time on this take and fifty percent of your time on this take, or hundred percent on this take. Mm. And if somebody else has spending in 100% on one take, are they gonna beat you out? Cause you were splitting your time between two different thoughts.
0: But there's so many ways to skin that cat in a scene. So there's, wow. you know, so sometimes I think that if you give those two like a grand bigger version or in a more internal version, there's different elements that can come out in those takes. That's my opinion.
1: No, 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 it's possible. I think it's a little more uh, permissible with the one-line roles.
0: Well, of course.
1: (laughs) but The one thing I will ask actors when they send multiple takes, I ask them to send multiple clips because we're only gonna send which take we think is the best to producers. It's rare Uh that we would send more than one. So if you want me to spend extra time watching extra clips, I would like you to spend a little extra time doing the editing for me.
0: Yeah, so send it separately. Each take sends separately. Yeah. So when people are coming in for you, I think you guys, well, you do both. You do single cam and multi-cam, right? Correct. What is that necessary adjustment that you feel actors should make when they're coming in for the multi-cam versus the single cam?
1: Uh, Well, I think if you're going from, say, stage to multi-cam, you're compressing everything slightly. Mm -hmm. Multi-cam to single cam, you compress it a little bit more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, some people will say you need to ground it more, but I always think grounding it makes it sound like it's flat. Mm. And so I think also some people think when they do less energy, they do less creativity. Mm. And I don't think so. I think you should be creatively rich and broad, just containing the energy a little more. Uh, one of the analogies that I heard way back when uh, from a coach I studied with back in the day was. Uh, <laughs> with like a wild dog on a leash. Mm. And the wild dog's running around, running around, running around, it's crazy, it's over the top, it's scary. You take a foot of rope away, it's still the same wild dog, it's running around, it's running around, it's running around, but it's gotten more intense somehow. Mm. That energy is compressed into a smaller playing area. Mm -hmm. And it just just clicks and pops more because it's not as broad.
0: So the internal, like I always tell actors, the internal life still has to be sparkly and in there and the chaos, the, the neuroses for, for comedy. But do you feel like in the single camera that people's voice is the same or is it a little bit more pulled in or is,
1: is, it, is it just more roped in? It could be slightly less projected. Yeah. But I wouldn't say, I think that's the only quality if I was to pick one, because if you're you know, agitated and loud in a single cam, it's gonna be the same volume probably as multi-camera stage. It's just how far are you pushing that volume out?
0: It's such a tricky thing. It's such a tricky thing for actors to, to make that adjustment. I mean, I love single camera because for me, single camera is that you're thinking one thing and you're saying another. So it creates that internal thing that really makes it a little bit stiller to me. The multicam, it feels like it's a little bit larger and the stakes are a little bit more neurotic, so higher. So it's a little bit like, it's just a little bit grander, but it's a fine line because it has to be all be based in the truth.
1: Yeah. Well, and it also depends on the show itself as well, because there's such a wide range, especially in the single cam world. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of uh, Hacks with (sighs) Gene Smart.
0: My favorite show. Yeah
1: which is a little larger than life because she's playing a little larger than life character but then you compare that to Atlanta which is just so subtle and so yeah. underplayed and still it's has such bizarre moments that are treated with such reality that you're like what is it's so genius i i i love both but they're so you know different kind of shows even though they're both single camera comedies
0: yep i agree and i'm obsessed with hacks i think it's so I, yeah. think it, I don't think it's that over the top, though. I don't know why. Gene Smart is a brilliant actress. So to me, her truth is so grounded to who that character is. It doesn't feel large to me.
1: Yeah, well, it seems because it's Vegas and she's comedian and all of that makes it seem larger than life to me because she the character she plays, having been in the business for so long, would be a diva larger than life. True. So we're kind of saying, I think, the same thing, just saying, using different words.
0: I think so. I think so, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you feel about dressing for the role?
1: I think you should do something that helps you feel like the role. You know, like with the blue collar role, you wear jeans, not slacks. If it's the white collar role, you wear a dress shirt, not a T-shirt. But I don't. What
0: about like if it's for a nurse or a doctor? You don't have to wear scrubs.
1: You don't have to. But so many actors do it, and it makes them feel more the role, I guess, that we... But how does it make you feel when
0: you see it? Is it like, do you feel like they're trying too hard, or are you accepting of that?
1: With that one, no, we don't feel like they're trying too hard, because it just, it's a thing that so many of them do that it's just an accepted exception to whatever rule there might be. Mm. Uh, It's like when they come in for the waiter role, some of them will bring their apron from the job they have Mm -hmm. and wear it because it just puts them in the reality of it.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know, it's I that to me seems like something fine because I know the actor is just doing it to try to do a better job with the Mm -hmm. audition.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm trying to think of one because there's others like Santa Claus. They all show up dressed as Santa Claus. There's, you know, the doctors and the nurses sometimes will come in with the lab coat of the scrubs. Uh, The the stripper roles, they typically show up as a nurse as well. (laughs) That was kind of a joke, kind of a joke. But no, I've seen- I got it, I
0: laughed,
2: I got it.
1: I remember when we did Eli Stone, we were on the Disney lot in Burbank Mm -hmm. and it was 110 degrees in the summer. So some of the actors, didn't think to take the coat off and put it on when they got there, <sighs> they would just wear something that was a little more comfortable and it just didn't work. Yeah. You know, it's usually people don't dress enough for the role. It's rare that they dress too much for the role.
2: Okay,
0: so nothing's out of, like nothing is too much for you. You just, you accept it.
1: I don't think I've run into one where it was too much. I mean, the, the one that was too much and it was just a crazy, will never happen again we were trying to find clowns for Modern Family. And we had scheduled 20 actors and they were told they could either come in their clown persona or bring us a headshot that showed us what they looked like in full you know, clown regalia. And most of them came in full clown outfit, which was awesome because it happened to be my birthday the day we were doing this. Ah. But the last guy that showed up, he came in an Elmo costume. Oh. Yes. and. We're looking at him and he's, he's standing there. He's got red fur from his neck down. He's holding mm. the Omo head. Mm. And I'm thinking it's awesome because not only did I get 19 clowns for my birthday, I got an Omo. But he said, I, I know you guys are looking for clowns. I don't do clowns, I do like costume characters. Mm. And my agent told me to come anyway just in case.
2: Right. And
1: we're like, yeah, your agent gave you really bad advice. We weren't upset with the actor. We were like wondering what his rep was making
0: interesting so he didn't get the
1: part no no but i got a great story out of it that i will always remember
0: and you'll always remember him
1: so i could look up his name ah (laughs) i remember him standing there in the Elmo costume but i I swear i I have to be honest i would have to look up his name to tell you who he was i get you
0: i get you i get you um so so the change of covid um are you still feeling like you want to be in the office and have that one-on-one with actors or are you accepting now of how it's going to be and you feel much more fluid and, and safe and
1: either yeah. way? No, no. I'm loving being at home, not having to drive to an office, been mm-hmm. able to stop in the day and have lunch with my wife. Yeah. You know, leaving the office, you know, things run over sometimes, but if things are running over, I can stop, go downstairs, have dinner with her and mm-hmm. then go back to work. That luxury. I think
0: think it's so many perks. I think it's incredible um, for everybody all the way around. However, I will say this actors do feel isolated because they're not getting that feedback. Do you in your office ever write to the agent to tell the actor any feedback, or it's just an impossibility that's not going to be had?
1: If they ask for feedback, we're happy to give it. Mm. We occasionally depending on the timing of it, we'll sometimes have notes for the self-tape and we'll ask people to retape, And then they're getting some feedback that way. Mm. When we sent tapes to producers, I would put everybody on hold, which is more than you'd have done back in the day. You probably would have pinned like two or three people. I would pin eight to 10 people.
2: Oh. So those
1: eight to 10 people at least knew what they did was good enough to go to producers.
0: And since you said the word pin... Mm -hmm. I had some people in class go, what does it mean, pin? So tell us what it means to be pinned.
1: It means that you are close enough to possibly getting this role that we do not want you to go take another job without giving us the courtesy of telling us. Mm. And and actually, we don't want you to go take the other job. We would like you to tell us that it's out there. And then you got two people competing for you, which should be a good feeling. But occasionally, like somebody will read for a one-line role and a guest star role comes up. And they'll call us and go, "Hey, they just got offered this guest star role. They're taking it. Duh, yeah, of that's course. a no-brainer." Right. So, but no, the pin just means please give us the courtesy of telling us if a conflict arises while we make up our minds.
0: And also the fact that you're in the run, you're just down to the wire. Yeah. In the yeah. old days, they never did a pin. In the old days, they just would hire you, and then, and then re, you know, they would hire you, and then re, you know, write out the role, and you still get paid.
1: Well, what was nice about Call Me Cat with one of the positives of uh, the new environment is they like to have actors there for all five days.
0: Oh,
2: that's amazing.
1: And they would, I mean, a one-line role, you get paid on a weekly. Wow. Where previously, you know, they'd be there two days, maybe three days if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. So that was a benefit to the co-star actors that they were all getting five days of work on the show.
0: And also, how do you feel about an actor you know, just building a resume and doing the work and any size role. If they came in for you for one line and they came in for you for a guest star, if they only if they come in for a one line, would you ever think of them for to bring them in for a guest star? Do they or do they isolate themselves by coming in for the smaller roles?
1: No, I think the only way they isolate themselves is if they book a smaller role on a show that lasts 11 years, mm. they're never going to have a chance at a larger role because they took the smaller role when they could. Mm. But you never know which shows are going to last 11 years necessarily, which ones will be gone in six episodes. Ah. But I think with the self tapes, it allows us to have people we would want to give a shot to. Mm. We're more able to do that because in the live environment, bringing in people for producers, you'd only bring in six people. With the self tapes, we might have 30 people self tape for a role and only send six to producers,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but 30 got a shot at it.
2: Yeah,
1: That's like got a, a shot at it before.
0: When you're casting a pilot, you open it up to a lot of people,
2: right? Do you open yes. it up? Yeah.
1: But Go. there's there's also, this is what uh, I always have to, I always feel the need to over explain this one a little bit. With a pilot, day one of a pilot, we're looking for all those actors that have been on a series before.
2: Mm.
1: Or, or that, you know, the ones that we're fans of that we've gotten to know over the years that we are hoping to find something for them. Right. Week 10 of the pilot, yeah, everybody and their brother gets considered at week 10 because Mm -hmm. we've seen everybody, the usual suspects. Mm. And I always say, think of it this way. If you go into a McDonald's and you have a problem, do you want to talk to the 15-year-old behind the counter or do you want to talk to the manager that went to school and has a degree in management? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, the one with more experience is probably going to help you the most. And that's true. But I would say in the self-tape world, the people that we're not first in line because all the self-tapes can go like that. They now get to compete pretty close to the front of the line. Yeah. And if they've got the talent and the training to make up for the experience gap, they could take something from somebody more established.
0: And how does it work now for the pilot process? Because prior to COVID, and we might've talked about this in the last podcast, but you'd have to go in and you'd have to get another callback, back and you'd have to have a studio test and then you have the network does that process happen on zoom anymore is it just you know that and a test deal how how does it work
1: uh with us it was the pre-read and the producers session are kind of the same thing because you submit one self tape Mm -hmm. and watch it actually we watch all of them
2: Mm. there's
1: not really any straight to producers anymore Mm. Because if we normally would have taken you straight to producers, but we watch the take and for whatever reason, it's not clicking the way we thought you normally would make it click. Mm-hmm. We're not sending it. Wow. So there's really only pre-reads now. And some people get a callback to producers, but they don't have to do anything else. We just send the tape for them. And then once the producers decide who they like, yeah, the studio still make the test deals. But and,
0: how, does that, how does that work though? So, so it's really just the read the The producer session is just sending their tape. They don't have to do another audition. So when they have the test deal, that's then they come back on if it's a chemistry read or they just have to read alone with one of the executives or you guys and then the executives are there or is it just off the tape?
1: Uh, the first time we cast Hungry last year we did, uh, the, the people we liked, they put the test deal in place and then we would have them do a work session by Zoom with the producers and we would record the Zoom session and mm. that was the test tape.
0: Interesting.
1: This time around, we took the actor's actual self-tape and sent it to the studio. But the, in both cases, the studio is not watching the video until the test deal is in place. Mm. So that's the kind of Chinese wall, so to speak, that uh, they could watch it, but they obviously don't wanna watch it and give any actor leverage that they know they're in the running and then they jack up the price of how much they would charge.
0: Got it, but it's not like a whole, like it used to be that you have to come to the studio and you have to be in a room and there's 50 people in that room. So that's not happening yeah. anymore.
1: Well, and that was kind of going away before the lockdowns. Was it? Because we were, especially on the single cameras, mm-hmm. we would bring them in for a work session with the director or the producers We would record the work session. Uh, Fox, where I remember doing this, they had a room dedicated to this that you had to reserve with nicer cameras, uh, microphones, a nicer backdrop, lights uh, that made it all look much better. And Mm -hmm. then you would edit those videos together and we would all go into a room together and watch them with the studio executives. Mm -hmm. But the actors wouldn't be there. We'd just be watching Mm -hmm. tapes in person. But
0: that's so much better.
1: But now with everybody working from home, we just sent the tapes over to Studio Network and they got back to us eventually with their feedback.
0: Yeah, so crazy. So when, when you're doing a pilot, and I I know I work with people on so many different pilots that don't they don't have a series regular under their belt, but they still get called in. So is it because they're just opening it up just for possibilities?
1: Well, there's always people that'll get pitched to you by an agent and you'll trust the agent and you get somebody mm. a shot. Mm no matter how many actors I know, there's always more actors to know. And, Agreed. and I, uh, there's, there's shows recently, uh, like Abbott Elementary, which I think is one of the funniest network comedies. Uh, I have to watch
0: film. it. I, everyone All tells it. me to watch it. I know it's crazy. I have to watch it.
1: But there's actors on there that I kind of knew by name, but mm. there's a few that I'm like, uh, who's this? How do I not know this person? Mm. And they're a regular on an ABC show. Mm. So I should have known them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you, you just there's so many actors, there's no way to know all of them. So what you'll do is if you're if you run across a head, the headshot, really, I get a feel for looking at a headshot. And the head, I've seen so many of them. I've got an instinct for what a talented person looks like in a headshot.
0: Ooh, tell us more about that. What is that?
1: Well, it's really just seeing, you know, three, four thousand headshots a year, maybe more oh. times the 15 years I've been doing it. <sighs> And it really, you just start to get an instinct. There's just, they're more relaxed maybe when they have the photo taken, they're not trying to push something. Mm. It's just, it's kind of like going over to a museum and seeing a piece of art and going, that really speaks to me. Yeah. And you just get a feel for it. Um, You also get a, uh, when we were live, I could see people in the waiting room and I would get a, I could get a feel just for how they were in the waiting room as to whether their read would be good or not.
2: Mm.
1: And that's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just seeing something a thousand times and then seeing one thing a thousand times and then seeing the result and you just start to pick up on something. I
0: think it's that positive energy that people feel the confidence, that confidence level. And when you feel yeah. confident, you don't have to push or show, you know, you're enough.
1: But I'll, I'll see a headshot of somebody that looks right for the role. I'll click on the resume. I'll see they have credits of note, mm. you know, they you know, we're on shows I recognize, or maybe there's, you know, a theater actor that's got a lot of good theater credits, and they look like somebody that should be given a shot. And so, mm-hmm. come on, send a self tape.
2: Yeah. So
0: what's some great advice you have for actors out there that are striving to become regular working actors or on a series regular? What What's some advice you have for them?
1: Oh, uh. <laughs> stay in training. Yes. Well, yeah, it's all the same stuff. You've got to, you know, your talent is what God gave you. Mm. You know, the training is the amount of time you're willing to study. And, you know, you need to put in the time to do that. There, there's very few people that are so talented that they don't need training. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, even the, the, the uh, you know, you find a gold mine, you still smelt it down and get out the impurities so that it can be even more pure and more rich. So that's, you know, what the training is there for. You know, the preparation is just, getting ready for one specific role. And so it's it's really, it's practice, practice. It's like, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice.
0: Correct.
1: And so whether you're practicing by being in class, whether you're practicing by being with friends and running scenes, mm-hmm. doing it yourself and self-taping, and then maybe asking people to watch it to kind of judge how you're able to do it on your own, mm-hmm. you know, doing student films, doing indie films, doing plays, doing anything. Uh, I always go back to when we started Modern Family of the six adults, they all had been on series or had lots of credits and lots of, they were all extremely talented, but Ed O'Neill had 20 years of experience more than the other five. And you could just see it. I know he was working, but it just seemed effortless because he was so good and had done it for so long at such a high level that he made it seem easy. Yeah. Even though we all know it's not. Yeah. So Uh that's what it is. The if you can bridge the experience gap you might have with others by creating your own projects and doing that or treating class as though you're truly trying to perform and make it an experience. Mm. That's that's the it's generic. There's no oh do this and you're done. No,
0: I I I just want people to hear it because I believe exactly what you said, one million percent. How do people reach you? Is it only through agents or managers? Is there any way that whoever's listening can, can reach out to you for a connection? Because this business is all about connections. And- well,
1: I am on Twitter and Facebook and, and Instagram, but I don't go out to them much because uh, they're still cesspools. Or yes. They become cesspools. So yes. uh, that's one way. I've got a publicly published email address, which is postcard at alanhooper.com.
0: We'll put that in, postcard at So yeah.
1: oh, okay. I can't obviously re- respond to everybody, but when my wife is antiquing, it gives me something fun to do on my phone.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. But you never know, right? I always tell actors to reach out, get connected. Just yeah. get connected. I, the,
1: the best one I have is an actor, when we were doing Modern Family, called the office and asked to audition for a role really yes now it, it I love
0: in- this person because I think you've got to be courteously aggressive and sometimes it's going to bite you in the butt but sometimes it will be helpful
1: now this one's a little bit of an exception to the rule because we were looking for an actor that could play the bagpipes or a bagpipe uh, that could act. yeah and so one of the musicians that didn't know the taboo just called the office hoping to get a gig <laughs> and uh you know all he had all I had to hear was his Irish accent to know the or Scottish accent I'm sorry and he could play the bagpipes
0: though good for that person yeah you got to be out there so why are you alan still so in love with casting what is it
1: because when it's going well it's entertainment Mm. you know i enjoy watching so much tv Mm -hmm. Uh, i branched out thanks to you know sundance channel started i believe maybe ifc and now netflix and everybody else there's so much foreign language programming but mm. I will watch that for entertainment because I'm getting to meet new actors that I don't know. So and you're inspired.
2: So you're
0: inspired by art.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so when actors come in and they are doing the job well, my job's just fun. Mm. And you know, now if they're not doing the job well with self-tapes, we can have less not fun by just stopping the tape. <laughs> I think
0: it's so wonderful. You can stop the tape. That's why I tell everybody make sure your first 20 seconds are freaking awesome
1: yeah now before anybody's like oh they're not watching all the tapes you got to keep in mind what what that helps with is it allows us to consider so many more people Ah. because we're not sitting through five minutes you know of an audition for a huge role that when you're doing that live and in person that limits you to 10 people an hour eight people an hour
2: right
1: and now we can consider so many more people per hour and that's one of the things that helps yeah
0: 100 percent. so that first 20 seconds is really important and you know don't you know if they're right for the they're right for the role in that time
1: yes you would yeah. and you've also depending on where they are in your watching if it's the first person you've watched you might be like well it seems okay uh, you, you get an instinct that maybe it's not the best but you don't know because you haven't seen anybody else to compare it to yet
0: interesting
1: but usually, if it's spot on, it's you're gonna know it's good from the get-go, even if it's the first one.
0: Mm-hmm. What's up next for you, Alan? What's up next?
1: Uh, I am just kind of hanging tight with the summer hiatus, also called unemployment. <laughs> and just waiting uh, to see what happens with the uh, call Me Cat. We got picked up for a third season. Yes, so we're just waiting to see when that third season would start.
0: Fantastic.
1: And then if something else comes up or not.
0: Well, you um, guys are always so busy. You're always so busy.
1: Yeah, But comedy seems to be at a little bit of a lull, like it was right before Modern Family.
2: Mm.
1: And actually right before the Cosby show, there's these like historic dips where all the dramas come out or there's a lot of procedurals or or something. And the comedy kind of goes to the wayside and then something else comes out that everybody's like, oh, we can be funny again.
0: The pendulum is always swinging, and to me, it feels like the world needs comedy more than ever. Oh, I agree. That's one hundred percent.
1: We, we need to be able to see each other's opinion a little more clearly.
0: Exactly through humor.
1: Yes, or or anyway, but just yeah. quit, quit being entrenched and yelling at people just because you were told something.
0: Hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. So. I leave everybody today thanking you so much for coming on. That was amazing. I hope it's helpful for everyone who's listening. And everybody out there, stay positive, stay courteously aggressive. Alan, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye.